Oh, okay. <laughs> You're listening, listening to Hold That Thought from Arts and Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Thanks for listening to Hold That Thought. Today, to continue our series on cities, we'll be hearing from Professor Carol Camp Yakey, founding director of the Center on Urban Research and Public Policy and the Interdisciplinary Program in Urban Studies at Washington University in St. Louis. Camp Yakey also teaches within the Education Department and within International and Area Studies and American Culture Studies here at Washington University. For today's podcast, Camp Yegi will be talking about the global implications of urban studies, and she'll be sharing what she thinks are some of the most pressing problems facing cities around the world. If you get the impression that I like studying cities and the stuff that goes in cities in terms of the human context, you're absolutely correct. That's me. I understand the theory and the research, and I teach it and have done it for a very long time, but I'm interested in the human connection. What happens to people who live in cities? So far within Hold That Thought series on cities, we've had the chance to hear from experts across the disciplines, history, economics, and education, just to name a few. For Camp Yakey, this sort of interdisciplinary focus on urban studies is an everyday reality. The interesting thing about urban studies is that there is not one academic discipline or subject area that it doesn't touch upon. Not one. How do we handle the fact that more and more people in the global society are moving where? Toward our cities. And I think it may be a decade ago we passed the hallmark in terms of the fact that at least half of the world now lives in cities. As Camp Yeke mentioned, one of the aspects of urban studies that she finds so fascinating is its global context. The 2012 book Living on the Boundaries, Urban Marginality in National and International Contexts, which she edited, really illustrates this aspect of urban studies. The focus of the volume spans the globe. There are articles about Bangladesh, Sweden, England, the U.S., and just about everywhere in between. And as editor, Camp Yeke sees connections between the urban issues presented throughout the volume. We're looking at almost a symmetry of problematics across the globe. Although we're different in terms of how we might look on the outside, internally in how we live, there are some tremendous commonalities and complexities which we need to solve, not as the U.S. or Japan or Canada or uh, Egypt, but how we as part of humanity can solve many of these issues which are confronting us all, because globally we're smaller than we think we are. One of the global problems that Camp Yeke focuses upon in her own work is the plight of the urban poor. As cities compete with one another to become economic engines and centers for international business and commerce, efforts toward urban renewal often push out lower-income residents. And this is going on in cities across the globe. You find in New York what is occurring as they're building these two and three million dollar condos in New York City that the poor people are being pushed out. But not only poor people, what about mom and pop shops? Where, where are all those small businesses going, beauty parlors, uh, all those, where are they going? 
once taxes rise, and Bloomberg has been a superb mayor in terms of making New York clearly a spot where corporations and companies want to be. He's been superb at that. But when you look at what some people call the vanishing city, it's called vanishing because it's vanishing for those who can't afford to live in it. So the same dynamic occurs in whether you're talking about Jakarta, which is a major city, whether you're talking about uh, Rio de Janeiro. It's the same thing that's happening. You've got so many poor people who want to live in the city and who may provide the menial kinds of labor, but they can't. They can work there, but they can't live there. Let's stick with Rio for a moment, because the upcoming 2016 Summer Olympics are causing a prime example of this sort of gentrification. Stay on the beaches of Ipanema and the like and look straight up, and what do you see? And they're the favelas. Those are the slums for the urban poor. But those are the very things that are being torn down for the Olympic Village. Now, once the Olympics are over, who do you think can afford to live there? Those with means and money. So the dynamic is the same. Where are the poor to live in our global societies now, in our global cities? Because remember now what global cities are. They're highly cultural, meaning they have museums and and amusements and all of those things which make a city a part of the creative class. They generally are places where you have high levels of technological advance. Of course, these types of resources are major assets for those who can afford to live near the amenities. But as we just heard, the process of gentrification often pushes lower-income residents out of major urban areas. So the next question is, where do they go? What's happening now, you have the poor moving further and further out to uh, rural, more homogeneous areas as people who used to live in suburbia in the 50s and 1950s and 1960s, guess where they're moving? To the city centers. Because they have the education, we call them dinks, dual income, no kids. That's not my term, that's the literature's term, D-I-N-K-S, it's not a pejorative term. It's dual income, no kids, and they're the ones inhabiting the cities where the people who are poor are moving further out. So you have almost a reverse migration that is occurring. But the next question is, what's happening to the social services that the poor people used to get in the cities because they're moving out to more rural and suburban environments? What's happening to them, right? you're finding that they're taking many of their social ills and social problems with them. So not only is urban studies globally relevant, it applies to areas that aren't even urban. In today's world, the city's problems are everyone's problems. Many of the poor who used to live in the public high-rise projects in Chicago are now moving downstate towards Champaign-Urbana and the like. And that's why Champaign and a lot of the other more what we used to consider rural areas in the state of Illinois, that's why they're having some of the similar problems that people used to have when they used to live in the central cities in Chicago. Why? Because the poor, because their issues have never been resolved or addressed to the extent that can make them socially mobile, they're simply bringing those issues with them. And so now you've got a lot of small towns that are being impacted by many of the urban issues and urban conditions. And guess what? They don't know how to deal with them. And remember, look what they're inheriting now. They're inheriting populations that need to be what? Helped and supported. So you got gang problems now in Idaho. Des Moines, Iowa. 
rural climbs in Colorado, things you would never, ever consider historically because you'd say, oh, those horrible big cities. Oh, God, that's where you have... Well, they're being dispersed and moved out as your cities and your mayors are pushing them out further and further. Remember, Camp Yankee directs the Center on Urban Research and Public Policy here at Washington University. And from a policy perspective, efforts to combat these problems often don't come from within the cities or the suburbs themselves. Many of these policies are federal policies. The administration of them is decentralized to cities. So the issue has to be addressed and looked at on the federal level. That is the extent to which the federal government is providing and will continue to provide policies for poor people. That is critical, and that's why the present conflicts going on in the federal government are really major. Remember, we just had a presidential election, and it surrounded these very issues. The 47 percent or the 51 percent of the people who are just on public services and the population voted that they wanted more support for people and for people who were struggling. Though Camp Yankee views the results of the 2012 election as a positive indication of the country's commitment to developing policies to assist those in need, she believes that more needs to be done, especially when it comes to providing better education and jobs training for urban youth. We need a continuation of redistributive policies that will allow people and assist people and help them, whether we're talking about minimum wage. I mean, the fact is we've got people on minimum wage who are below the poverty level. Not that they're not, they're not working. They are, but they're the working poor. Their numbers are not shrinking. They're growing and with a highly technological society, the jobs that used to provide the avenues for social mobility are no longer. Even if you work at any automobile dealership now, guess what? You have to have training and computer skills. It's not just a wrench now and a screwdriver to fix your car. You have to almost have two years of college in order to just work in blue-collar jobs now. So one of the major issues that we have in our society because our schools for, and our public schools are so poor is that even though we have major manufacturing jobs, they're going wanting because we don't have the training amongst those kids, high schoolers, to take the next step to get the computer training and technological training, literally two years, to move into that associate degree to enable them to handle those manufacturing jobs. They're just not available. We have the manufacturing jobs. We don't have the populations that are educated enough to take on those jobs. That's major. And this issue of jobs training is only one of many problems that continue to face cities around the globe. When you have highly dense populations living together, not only where are they going to live, how are they going to live cooperatively with one another when you have such a tremendous division between those who have and those who don't. Housing, where do you place all this this housing for so many people in such smaller environments? Where? How do you educate them and what funding sources are going to be used. And we see what's happening in so many of our major cities now. Many of the poor are just getting angry and taking out their frustrations on one another. And this is not an apology for it. It's simply what happens when you have people from divergent backgrounds and such a stringent and strong division between the haves and the have-nots and a 
political climate that suggests, well, we've given the poor too much already. If all of this seems overwhelming, or even depressing, it's helpful to remember that every generation has had its own set of urban issues to confront and attempt to overcome. Remember now, cities were created some 10,000 years ago. And cities have always gone through change and revolution. What makes them so fascinating and interesting is that this isn't the first issue or evidence of clashes that have taken place. They've taken place over the past 10,000 years. And why? Because you have so many people coming in contact with one another. We didn't solve it when Rome was Rome and England was England, (laughs) okay? So now the burden is upon us in the 21st century to resolve some of these kinds of issues that weren't resolved historically. So it's helpful to remember if you think this is depressing, it really isn't. We're talking about the revolution and the advance of civilization and how people can live better with one another. And I'm confident we can. Many thanks to Professor Carol Camp Yakey for contributing to Hold That Thought. Among her many ongoing projects, Camp Yakey is working with colleagues on a book titled Up From Rust, The Promise and Peril of Urban Renewal. You can find a link to her faculty page, as well as the website for Washington University's Center on Urban Research and Public Policy on our website. We're at thought.artsci.wustel.edu. That's thought.artsci.wustel.edu. Dot wustl.edu. Dot